Gracious God, we have heard that you speak and we long to hear your voice. We pray that through these words, these human words, your living word might be heard. That it brings life. That it sends us out to bring your life to the world. Amen. So this is it. It's the day you've all been waiting for. It's the end of our sermon series, Why Church? We've been looking at the reasons for church in terms of the movements of worship, and today we come to the final movement, which is go. We're sent from this place into the world, and even though it doesn't take up very much time in the service, it comes kind of near the end, go is where the whole service of worship culminates. It's where everything else points. Because our daily living is where the rubber hits the road. The world is where the baptismal font flows out into the streets. When we leave this place, though, we're sent with a particular purpose in mind, a particular way of life that Jesus empowers us to live out, a mission. That way that Jesus gives us is the way of the missionary the way of the missionary. Now, my guess is that few of us here consider ourselves missionaries because missionaries are people sent off to far-off lands, sharing the gospel in India or building wells in Africa, or missionaries are colonialists sent to bully indigenous people into accepting Christianity and forcing Western ways and culture. So we don't really consider ourselves missionaries, probably because we wouldn't want to be considered missionaries, right? I mean, the Jehovah's Witnesses are perfectly nice when they come to my door, but I can't imagine myself standing in their same position. But the truth is that in the New Testament, uh, Jesus' people are considered missionaries, But the truth is that the New Testament doesn't understand missionary work to be like this at all, not the ways that we tend to think of it. The word missio simply means to be sent. It's Latin for sent. That's where we get missionary. The earliest Christians understood themselves as missionary people, as a sent people, As the Father sends me, Jesus says in John's Gospel, as the Father sends me, so I send you. Missionaries, according to the New Testament, are people sent by Jesus to the world to take part in the same work that he was sent by God to do. And Jesus' mission wasn't about forced conversion or imperial conquest, Jesus was sent to fulfill the Missio Dei, the mission of God. The mission of God being salvation. Salvation, the redemption of humanity and its total healing from the inside out and the healing of all creation. Meaning that we come out of the world and we come into worship to be sent back into that same world 
as missionaries of Jesus, as participants in God's mission to heal and mend the world. You may not imagine yourself a missionary, but Jesus says, as his people, as his person, you are just that. Now, there are a lot of texts in the Bible that show how this works, but there are few better than our chapter from Luke, or our reading from Luke chapter 10. Because here we have the ultimate go scene, where Jesus sends his followers as missionaries, and he gives them his instructions on how to perform their missionary work. And what Jesus says first, first of all, Jesus says, as missionaries, our work is primarily done away from our home base. It's outside these church walls. After this, it says, after this, the Lord appointed 70 others. He appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he intended to go. Here it says that Jesus sent 70 people. I mean, it's the size of a small church congregation. Not only that, but Jesus sends his disciples two by two. This is because Christianity is a social faith. Jesus sends us from this place to do his work, not as individuals, but to do his work together. Building friendships, hearing confessions and offering forgiveness, visiting each other, bringing food for each other when we're sick, taking care of each other's kids. Jesus says in John's gospel, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Our mission isn't a solo mission. We're given each other by God to love, to face the daily work of living outside of the church's walls. We're sent together and not apart. We're sent together and not apart. And we're sent on this mission together, but the mission doesn't just end with us. Seventy is also the number of nations in the world according to Genesis chapter 10. Obviously, not the number of nations in our present world, but according to Genesis chapter 10, 70 is the number of the nations. So already in this text, we have Jesus alluding to, foreshadowing, the larger mission of the church after his death and resurrection. At the end of Luke's gospel, the risen Jesus sends his disciples in his name to all nations, it says, beginning from Jerusalem. Now again, this sounds like the traditional understanding of missionaries being sent elsewhere, but for most of us and most Christians throughout history, the mission field is actually right here in our backyard. In this text, Jesus actually sends them into Israel's backyard. Jesus sends us into every town and place he intends to go, it says, meaning the neighborhoods we live in and the streets we live on, too. We go into our families, our friends, our neighbors, and our workplaces. There's no place, there's no arena of life 
whether domestic, commercial, or political, outside the bounds of God's interest and God's mission of love. So, that's the first thing. We go, we're sent outside these walls as missionaries, first as witnesses to the love of God to each other, and then as witnesses to the love of God to every town and every place, wherever, whenever we may find ourselves. Okay? Second, we go because the world needs us to go. We go because the world needs us to go. Jesus said to them, the next verse says, Jesus said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs in the midst of wolves. Now, I know that some of you are, you know, Saskatchewan farm boys and farm girls, so you'll probably know this, but not everybody in our contemporary world knows this. But harvest time is when everything is ripe and ready to pick. And in biblical speak, the harvest is also a metaphor for the day of the Lord, the coming of God's kingdom, where humanity will be gathered to God and the world set right. Jesus is saying that there are so many people out there that are ripe, so to speak, that there's more people than even the number of people to harvest to extend that mercy. And the truth is, there's so much need in our world, in our own backyard. Our own church lawn hosts the poverty-stricken and victims of the opioid crisis five days a week. But beyond the physical, there's an epidemic of hopelessness, meaninglessness, and fear, whether it's fear of climate change, job anxiety, fear for our children's future. The world is in need. People are ripe. And when Jesus says, I send you as lambs in the midst of wolves, he's diagnosing the source of this need. It's a deep, deep problem. You see, in churches like ours, we tend to shy away from terms like evil, the demonic, or the devil. We tend to think of individuals and systems as the problem, and if only we could just make all those right, all would be well with the world. But in the biblical worldview, there are forces that actively oppose God's will for creation. They aren't people, though. The Apostle Paul says our struggle isn't against flesh and blood, human beings, but against the powers and principalities that oppress people. Jesus says here, there are wolves, active spiritual forces that devour the human spirit. They act out in the form of poverty, violence, war, racism, greed, and all forms of other injustice and oppression, but they come from deep, deep, 
spiritual roots that are simply beyond our sight, and they are to be opposed, Jesus says. And this is why Jesus also tells them to carry no purse, no bag, or sandals, and to greet nobody or to greet no one on the road. I mean, it sounds sort of like the Maria Kondo, or Marie Kondo uh, method of uh, missionary work, minimalist. But Jesus says that our task is so significant that single-mindedness is necessary. To be a missionary is to put the work of Jesus front and center in our lives, the work of bringing hope and freedom to a world in need. We go because the world needs us to go. Jesus sends us out with a sense of urgency because we all need the God of hope and peace and grace to deliver us now as much as ever. We may gradually work our way into this work, but it's not something to be taken lightly or by half measure. Because according to Jesus, the stakes are too high. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And when we're devoted to this mission, Jesus says, it inevitably brings good to the people we meet in their lives. That's the third point. Reason number three. I think we're a little far behind on the PowerPoint. There we go. Yeah, yeah, reason number three. Okay. There we go. Anyway, whatever house you enter, Jesus says, Whatever house you enter, first say peace. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move from house to house. Now, today, generally, Christians are known as people who are against things. Against behaviors, against laws, against policies, or people even. But here, Jesus says that missionaries carry peace with them wherever they go, and it rests on other people. It rubs off on them. Here by peace, Jesus doesn't mean like a vacation. We could all use a vacation, of course. But it's salvation he's talking about again. The deepest possible peace, reconciliation, an end to antagonism. Notice, too, that Jesus tells his disciples to eat and drink whatever is served to them. Some of Jesus' most transformational encounters come with strangers happening over food and, yes, likely a lot of wine. But part of bringing peace to people, being a peace-bringing people, is recognizing that our job isn't to force people to adapt our culture, our diet, or our way of life. It's to take what we are given as guests where we are. Not to sow anger or hatred or division, but we're sent out as agents of peace, joining our neighbors in the spirit of friendship wherever we may find them. 
And when we do that, Jesus says, God's peace comes naturally. It comes organically. It comes in both word and deed. Moving on in our scripture passage. Yes. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you, he says. Cure the sick who are there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. So when those who receive us in our lives are receptive to it, Jesus says to cure the sick and to proclaim that the kingdom of God has come near. So on one hand, Jesus directs us to heal people. And of course, that can, you know, take, uh, that can simply, it can be literally healing people through prayer, through constant vigilance. But Jesus wasn't talking about just physical maladies. Jesus also healed people. He healed their empty stomachs with food. He healed outcasts with community. And he healed wounded hearts with words of compassion. Jesus says to offer healing in practical, tangible ways. On the other hand, though, Jesus says we're also to share good news, what's traditionally called evangelism. And now I just heard a collective sort of shudder through so many people's <laughs> spines. Because evangelism, sharing faith, just isn't a United Churchy thing to do. We're so used to the image of the pushy Jesus freak trying to save us from damnation that doing good is fine, but the last thing we want to do is shove our beliefs down somebody else's throat. Deeds, not creeds, as the popular phrase goes. But Jesus seems to pair the two, word and deed, together. Tell them, Jesus says, tell them that the kingdom of God has come near. Here Jesus says that our good deeds are the outcome. They're the manifestation of God's kingdom, God's work in the world. God's kingdom meaning the world set right as it was meant to be, made whole. When we experience healing, when we get a sense of hope, when sacrifices are made for the sake of others in the common good, they're part of a larger unseen reality. They aren't just individual events. They're sewn together by the love of God. For us, good deeds aren't just good deeds. They're tangible experiences of God's love at work. They're a sign, a foretaste of that beautiful future in the present moment here and now. I mean, we're glad to share our favorite restaurants, you know. We rave about movies that change the way we see things just so we can share something of beauty with another person so they can experience it too. And sharing our faith is like that. It isn't about bullying people into our religion, but it's, no, but it's the knowledge that news we have to share is good. Knowing there's a God, knowing the universe has meaning, knowing that Christ is at work in the world 
bringing salvation has brought us peace, has brought us hope, and brought, has brought us healing. It's something that's at least as worth sharing as our favorite craft beer. And I'm friends with Facebook on, with you, on Facebook with some of you guys, and you share lots of things that you love. But sharing faith is like that. It's sharing the beauty that has changed our lives for the better. And if people aren't interested, Jesus says, or if they're just downright hostile, just dust, dust off your feet and move on, keeping to the same message. So we go because we're sent to bring the peace of Christ, to share good news in word and deed. Jesus pairs them together. The same peace, the same good news that we've heard and experienced in the hope and the trust that it will do the same for others. The words themselves can bring healing. And that was the final of the three points, which brings us full circle back to the question, why church? Again, we come to church to go. <laughs> Somebody thought that was funny. <laughs> and not just leaving because you didn't like what the minister said. <laughs> That's another way of going. That's not quite, you know. But we come to church to go. All that stuff in the middle builds up to that final jump-off point. We come to be sent back into the world as missionaries. Together we're sent by Jesus beyond these walls to bring salvation, God's healing, to every town and every place. We're sent because the world needs hope. It needs freedom from brokenness and despair. We're sent because God brings this freedom and this hope through her people, through acts of love and mercy paired with the world-changing good news that the kingdom of God has drawn near. So why church? Because the world needs missionaries. It needs the good kind of missionaries. Missionaries sent not to conquer the world, but to overcome the world through the self-giving love of God in Jesus Christ. We come to go. So who's ready to be a missionary? After all, the harvest is plenty and the laborers are few. May the Lord of the harvest prepare us well for this task. Amen.